Hello and welcome to the Me and My Golf podcast. We're your hosts and PGA coaches, Andy Proudman and Piers Ward. And these podcasts are really about one thing, making you better. Yes, on here we'll be sharing our own experiences and knowledge as players and coaches, as well as bringing to you special guests to help your game. Let's get into today's podcast and help you take charge of your game. Hello and welcome to today's podcast and guess what, we have another special guest. So over the previous weeks we've had Colin Morikawa, Bernd Wiesberger, Danny Willett, Henrik Stenson, Lee Westwood, so make sure you go and check out those podcasts. Dustin Johnson earlier in the year. So we've got some mega guests that we've had already, but the guests keep continuing to flow. So today's podcast, we have got the talisman of the European Ryder Cup team, multiple tour winner around the world. That's it, you've guessed it, the postman, and he is going to be delivering today. And we have Ian Poulter. So Ian has won, as I said, multiple times around the world and been an amazing Ryder Cup competitor. But we really wanted to delve into his mindset. What makes him tick? What allows him to almost perform above his ability by having this amazing focus, confidence, and mindset that he generates when he is on the golf course. So we want to find out where that came from. So we dive deep into that. We also look at his practice and his training, how he goes about his daily routines, how he works at his game when he's at tournaments and when he's in these off weeks. And of course, we have to talk about his Ryder Cup appearances. And obviously, before we get this, we've spoken to him before, the Ryder Cup is so important for him that obviously this is what brings the best out in his game. So we get to find out a few stories about that and exactly why it's so important to him. Now also, if you haven't uh, subscribed already, make sure you subscribe to the Me and My Golf podcast and it would be fantastic if you could leave us a review and let us know who you would like to see next on the Me and My Golf podcast, but also say some kind words. And if you've got some constructive criticism as well, it'd be great to get that in there as well. So here we go. Without further ado, Mr. Ian Poulter. Right, Ian Poulter, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks, boys. I'm doing all right. It's it's um it, it's weird times, isn't it? When we find ourselves, um, you know, you're you're back in the UK. I'm I'm in Orlando, and um, yeah, we're um, we're chatting as if uh, as if life is normal, and it's not. We haven't played golf, tournament golf, in four weeks. It's not looking like we've got any golf coming soon uh which is going to be another eight weeks at the earliest so it's it's bizarre times for golf it is isn't it and i think you know we were chatting before we went live and you were talking about what motivates you and obviously what motivates you is winning and winning a tournament so at the minute it's maybe a little hard for you because you're like well there's nothing to win unless i go out with my mates and play golf but even that's hard yeah i you know i I'm all about competition. I'm all about um, competing. I'm all about the fact of being being a pro and my trade. And you know, I, I learned my trade as a um, as a teenager wanting to become a professional, and it was it was my life. So my life has revolved itself around wanting to win and the fun and enjoyment level that I've always had through you know the last 25 years of my life, knowing. Um, every time I peg it up, I've got an opportunity to go out and win a tournament, win some money and provide. Uh, I don't have that opportunity at the minute. <laughs> and it is a really strange situation. You know, we take we take time off during the season and that might be 
six weeks off. It might be five weeks off. And, you know, you kind of look forward to having three weeks off and then getting back to golf. And you know that when you take that period of time off. But we sit here today, I've had the four weeks off, which is more time off than I would ever normally take without hitting a golf ball. And now we find ourselves with another eight weeks to go. So it's um, it's bizarre. It's not it's not very motivating from a perspective of um, you know wanting to wake up in the morning excited about going to hit some golf balls. And that's it's a very sad position to be in. Um, and I've got to be honest, it's depressing. I mean, it, it is it really depressing and I'm having low mo- low moments um, and I'm having some other good moments but at the minute it's just it's just miserable yeah mm-hmm. there's not there's there's no other way to explain it and you know I, I know I'm active on social media and I like to have a lot of fun and I I show my I show my fans you know pretty much into my daily life because I respect my fans I, I think I've got a good fan base Um but it's hard sometimes to show them when you're feeling shit. Yeah. There's yeah, no other way to sense. put it. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, it, it's not a good thing. And, um, you know, I miss my golf. I miss the buzz, the adrenaline rush, which theoretically is my drug, right? You know, it's the adrenaline excitement bit about me playing golf is that drug. Um, and it, it keeps me burning. And the minute there's no burn, um, there's just frustration that we're not playing tournaments. So I hope soon we're all in a position where we can go back to work. Um, and that's that would be very self-fulfilling to be able to go and hit balls for a reason. Yeah, not, absolutely. Not just to hit balls. And just hitting balls is, for some, I'm sure it's great, but that, that's my that's my general office Um and when you spend too much time in your office, then it gets a bit boring. Yeah, I think the good thing with the social media, though, that you, you as much as like you say, sometimes it is hard. What you're doing, though, is great because not all the players do it. And like you say, you have got a good fan base for them seeing you, whether I think you were chipping into a den caddy yesterday and your boy didn't see it go in and things like that. I think that, that that's cool. People like to see that and they do want to know what you're like away from the golf course. And you do a good job of that. So I think the fact that you're doing that is, you know, it's, it's congrats to you on that. And, and hopefully you'll continue to do that as well. It's important. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's always important. And, you know, sport in general, if you if you look at the bigger picture, right? So um, it's easy to talk about golf because that's my game. That's my passion. That's my love. It's, you know, you, you guys the same as me, right? But, you know, you only realize, I think, the, the severity of this is when you go to watch the other sport that you normally watch. So, you know, I don't watch masses of golf on TV because obviously I'm playing golf on television but when you think about you know you want to sit down and watch the premiership oh it's not on you know and then you you're at home with luke and joshua and and it's like all right let's just flick the basketball on oh it's not on and then it's like you know the start of the grand prix season the formula one oh it's not on <laughs> so it's like you know and and they're just a couple of the sports that i really follow closely i'm not talking about the nfl of the hockey, the, you know, the baseball, the, you know, you can go round the globe and turn around and go, oh, no, there's no sport on TV. <laughs> like, you know, probably, you know, 
probably the 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 average household husbands like oh my god what am i like what am i going to do what am i going to watch on tv and the wives are at home going oh for god's sake just leave me alone i just want to watch correlation street again it's, uh, <laughs> so it's um it's really it's weird yeah it's just weird it is. we're not going to see these times hopefully hopefully not again but um hopefully we get through it as fast as we can but let, let's talk about you as a player then, Ian. I think because I think everybody in in the world in the golf space knows that you are such a strong character, such strong mentally. Where, where does where does your self belief and where does your mindset come from? Is that something that you've developed, or is that something that is a result of your environment growing up? Where where, where would you say it comes from? I I'd say where it comes from, and this is this is uh, this is very apparent. And this is what I actually showed on my social media this week. I'm not sure if you saw it, but um, I went to school at Barclay in Stevenage. And as a young kid, he was 14 years of age, who was a pretty decent football player, but not good enough. I had a DM message from someone that follows me on social media. And this is, this is why I like social media and the power of social media. Um, and I get this DM message from a guy called Peter Bracey. I'm thinking, I know this, I know that name, I know that name. I went to school with some, I went to school with that lad. So anyway, I read this DM message, I click on his picture, and yes, it's the lad I went to school with. Because, you know, even, you know, 30 years on, it's funny when you look back at your schoolmates and they look the same as what they did back then, right? <laughs> but we've all, we've all just some of them do. a bit. Some of them do. Well, most, <laughs> most of them do, unless they've, you know, unless they've gone bald or whatever. Um, and this, you know, this lad sent me a message. He said, "Hey, uh, I've still got your English GCE exam results. Would you like them?" Well, I remember back in the day, I was working in a pro shop, right? So, I I left school at fifteen before my exams, and I went to work at uh, a local pro shop. And um, as far as I was concerned, I didn't care about my school results. It was irrelevant to me. I was gonna my mindset was I was going to go and do the PGA, right? And um, I've already got a job. So what do I need? What do I need these exam results for? So I sent this, this lad a message back in the day and I said, would you possibly go and pick up my English results? <laughs> he still has a pack, which is 80 pages deep of all my English coursework throughout the whole last year. He dropped them to my dad's house the other day and my dad took a picture of three pages um, of which was one of the little segments for my English results. And it says, uh, it says my autobiography of my golf life was one of the segments. And one of the very interesting things about that was what I wrote in the very last paragraph. And this is how naive and possibly stupid I was as a four. 14 year old student at school call it what you will but i'm gonna say naive um because i think i probably was but this is my mindset as a kid and that mindset simply goes back to say um and bearing in mind when i joined that golf course i dropped my handicap from 20 i was 27 handicap at 14 years old 
in that six, seven months as a, as a, someone that joined the golf club, someone that was passionate, I was down to 10. So I dropped 17 strokes that year. And this is what I wrote. Oh, oh, I think he's gone. He's, he's gone. I think he's pressed it by mistake. <laughs> let me, let me get him back in. Let's get him back in, Andy. <laughs> the audio is still going. So we could. Boys, so, are we still there? We're, like, still, <laughs> we're still here. We lost you then for what a minute. Happened? I don't know. He just cut out. <laughs> Said Ian Poulter's <laughs> left. <laughs> it was like all of a sudden someone just chopped my computer. I'm out. Um, so I was saying, so that last paragraph, it reads very, very, very simple. It says, I'll only have to drop another five strokes of my handicap and I can turn professional. I'm hoping to turn pro and get PGA qualified. And then get a touring card to play in big competitions around the world. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. At 14 October, years old. Right, October Super. the 29th, 1990. So I was 14 years old. And that's as naive as I was as a 14-year-old kid. It was as simple as that. It was, I'm going to become PJ qualified. And then I'm going to get a PGA, uh, European tour card and play in the big tournaments around the world. That's it. That's, that's all it. I knew. That's amazing because people will say that. There have been, been probably other juniors, even at that golf club, who would have said that, but they never would have really meant it. So how, how did how did when people were to say to you, what are you on about, Ian? You, there's no way you can do that. You know, you haven't been playing golf for long enough. You know, you should have been a, a plus one handicap when you were 13 if you're going to be any good. How, how did you combat that? If, or did you ever see that? There's no combat because the naivety, the funny thing about, about that is that is what I believe. And, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to remember what your beliefs were as a, as a 14, 15-year-old until actually you read some of the stuff <laughs> that you actually put on paper. So this is why this, that piece of paper is so valuable, really, when you look at it, uh, when you only look at it 15, uh, 20, sorry, 30 years later. I mean, 30 years. So, um, you know, that that's, you know, over a quarter of a century ago, I wrote that very simple last paragraph, but I meant it because that's Absolutely. what I said. And it's the only thing I knew back then as a kid. And it's the only thing that actually really resonates in me when people say to me, when did you know you was good enough? Well, no one ever told me. No one ever told me that I had to reach a certain level. No one ever told me that I wasn't as good as Seve. No one ever told me I didn't have the right to be as good as Faldo. No one ever told me I don't have the... So, so it's not a case of... It's not a case of um, when did you know. I didn't know any different. Yeah. So my mindset because of that was literally this is what I'm going to do. And that it's never wavered since that day. It's never wavered. I've never, ever, ever questioned my own ability to be able to go and do something because anything's possible. It's only when you bring doubt into your mind is when you open up an app. I'm a psychologist, but, you know, only when you bring in the question of what if, right? What if I don't do this? What if I don't do that? What happens if... You know, surely that goes to another part of your brain, which then starts to bring the doubt in, which then starts to cause the issues and and the gremlins and all of the nonsense that 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 kind of goes on in your head. 
So I knew no different. It, it didn't, it didn't, to me, it was just, it was a clear cut vision of, I'm going to be PGO qualified and I'm going to get a tour card. Now it just <laughs> sounds so simple, right? But, but that was my clear vision. That's what I had in mind. Um, so I had a goal and that was my goal. And obviously the goals have changed, but that was my goal. I think the strength in that is how simple it is. And I think, I think because there was no other option for you and it, because it was like, this is what, this is what I want. You must've had some good people around you who weren't, who weren't putting any doubts in your mind saying you can't achieve this. Your, your, your family must've been very supportive to be able to say, look, you can do whatever you want to do. Was that the case? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I really, I really was my own, you know, and obviously mum and dad were always supportive of what, whatever it was I was, what, whatever, whatever I was doing. So whether that was playing football and, you know, trying to become the best football player I possibly could, because that was my first passion. And, um, you know, as I wrote, you know, as I remember my upbringing I, and, and I wrote in that, in that uh, three page essay, that you know, I I kind of gave up golf for a number of years. Uh, I started at probably five and played a bit of golf and messed around with it. And in the off seasons, you know, didn't you know I kind of slowed down the the golf and played football, and then I picked it up again. But you know, I followed my passions as a kid, and passion was football, and that's what I wanted to be. And then, obviously, was told that again reading this piece of paper at twelve years old, I had trials with Tottenham. And they said I was no good. Which is a massive result as an Arsenal <laughs> fan, right? But it, I never did very well on. I never did very well on. Um, um, negativity. So when someone was being negative and someone was putting me down, it it really self motivated me because it. You know, I, I had a school teacher once that dragged me out of a school school classroom and was poking me in the chest saying you're a waste of space you're never going to become a golf professional you never go you know so you know then i had the the disappointment of being told i was never going to become a football player and you know what that really annoyed me really annoyed me so even more of the reason that i've done what i've done is it's not to it's not to prove people wrong it's because I detest someone saying it's not possible. It just really, it just bugs me to pieces. Anything's possible. It just is. I mean, it just, you know, all right, you could be, you could be a natural talent, right? You could be naturally talented um, and things could be a bit easier for you. But, you know, so, so, some of the craziest stories, you know, in sport and business are when people are, are that motivated and determined to have the mindset and the confidence to just go and do what it is they've set out their task to do. And I'm a massive believer in, I'm a huge believer in that, you know, and, and you can't put a price, you can't put a price on that. You, you know, it, 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 it is, you can teach, you can help somebody with that but it's got to come within yeah. you've got to be able to nurture that yourself in some way and you can help people 
with their own confidence, self-esteem, um, you know, call it, call it what you will, but, um, you know, you, you can definitely help people with it, but you have to be able to pull it out from inside yourself. You've got to believe it. Yeah. yeah. If you don't believe something, then you, then you're wasting your time. And do you see that as your strongest asset in terms of your, in your career? <laughs> Would you say that your mind is your strongest asset? No question. Yeah. Yeah. No question. I think when you, when you look at, look at the greats in sport, we look at, and, and, you know, look at Michael Jordan, look at Kobe Bryant, look at LeBron James, look at Seve, look at Nicholas, Palmer, Tiger, um, you know, Pele, Muhammad Ali, Steve Bull, <laughs> Steve Bull, <laughs> right? When you, when you, when you look at those guys, and I, I've never really studied them that much, but all of those, all of those players, sportsmen, have an immense sense of confidence about what it is they do, all of them, and. I wouldn't for one second think that they, for a millisecond, millisecond, whenever they've done anything they've ever done, have had any doubt in their mind that they're going to miss a shot or not be able to pull a shot off or not be able to knock a boxer out or, you know, not be able to score from 25 yards. All of them ooze confidence. Yeah. And it's it's just such a powerful weapon. It really, really is. You can practice all you want. You can swing it as nice as you like, but that goes out the window. No. When it's crunch time and you have to deliver, then there's another there's just another level to be able to to put yourself in to be able to do what it is you've set set your mind to do. Yeah, I think that's very apparent, obviously, when it comes to Ryder Cups. And we'll get to that a little bit later, because obviously we have to talk about Ryder Cups with you. But it's, it's very apparent really? when you're <laughs> in that situation. Well, we thought you might like it. <laughs> but it is, you know, I think it's, you know, we, we're writing these questions out before. And it's like, well, it's, of course, we know it's your strongest asset. But it's always nice to get your take on it. But it would be really good to talk about, you know, your practice and your training. Obviously, when things kick into gear a little bit more, how do you... How do you get the most out of your practice? What does what's required in a session for you? Um, I'm not brilliant at structure. So what 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 I am, I think what I am good at is being aware of my game at at the time, and you know certainly statistics help help you practice. So um, you know first and foremost, if it's um, if it's coming up to Augusta, say, um, you know, generally three or four weeks out, I start to work on slopey lie shots. I start to work on very, you know, practicing tight lie chipping, um, you know, bedding a new uh, set of wedges in because you're going to need that little bit of extra, just that fresh grip, Um you know, and whether it's going to play Hilton Head, which is extremely tight, 
you know, and, and, and kind of building your practice sessions around where it is you're going to, going to go and play golf. So various different times I'll be working a little bit more on my short game, a little mm-hmm. bit more on my feel, a little bit more on accuracy off the tee. And that sounds silly. It's like, why, why don't you practice all of those things all at the same time? <laughs> but, you know, certain aspects of certain tournaments require um, a little bit of different focus. So it's kind of a, I, I kind of I kind of adapt my practice routine according to where I'm going to be going to play golf, um, and as a constant, you know, always trying to always trying to replicate putts that you would normally have. So trying to, you know, we 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 kind of like the greenkeeper here, um, Brandon, to kind of set the set the practice grid as close as he can in terms of speed to what you think you're going to go and play on mm-hmm. which is helpful right i mean there's no point practicing in my opinion there's no point practicing putting on 13 on the stint meter when you know you're going to go and put, put on 10 yeah of course yeah so so there might be there might be a period of time where i don't hit one practice putt in two weeks whilst being at Lake Nona, because I know my next two tournaments are going to be on slow greens. Mm-hmm. So I purposely don't do that. I yeah. purposely don't hit a putt. It might, I might go two weeks without hitting a putt. And oh. then I get to the tournament venue and I put in two or three hours over those period of practice days leading into the tournament. Because if I've got used to a feel and line of a putt from six feet, that's 13 on a stint, and now I go to a 10, <laughs> then my line and pace is off. And then I've got to recalibrate. So I might as well not even put any putting practice in at all. Yeah. yeah. I like that, that as well. Sense. There's, there's no wasted yeah, I mean, practice there, is there, from you not spending time on something that you shouldn't be doing? It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, yes, you can practice your stroke. Um, and if that's the case, then I practice a dead straight putt, and that's it. Yeah, start Dead line. straight part. Just start yeah. line. And that's just, it. Yeah. Ignore the rest. Yeah. Just mm. stroke. Um, and as you say, it, it, I don't like wasting time. Mm. I waste enough time, as my <laughs> wife will attest to. Right? <laughs> as she's rolling her eyes in the back of her head. I've got my cup of tea over there, right? But so, I, you know, I, I don't waste time doing doing willy-nilly practice that doesn't make any any sense to do and i suppose yeah, this is sense. this is learnt as well obviously your experience now on tour so your practice i'm sure has adapted over time and the fact that you you are so experienced and you know these courses and without that experience you wouldn't know all this stuff so it's i suppose it's changed a bit over the years and and you know exactly what you need to practice prior to a tournament based on the the greens the the puts that you might be faced with and things like that as well so um yeah my I, I and i go through spells as well when i when i pitch up to tournaments um practice rounds are boring they do nothing for me at all uh i don't enjoy them i very rarely get much out of them at all and you know i i i treat any normal PGA Tour week or European Tour week, my pro-am is my practice round. Mm. You will never see me playing on a golf course on a Tuesday. Yeah. Hmm. Ever. 
unless it's a major and unless it's one of those weeks where you just feel you have have to do something right yeah you know players championship i finished second i played in practice and there's no pro am right in a in in the player championship i played one two three four and i walked in i played (laughs) four holes bored seen enough golf course doesn't change the greens were fairly <laughs> soft that year um what do i need to know yeah and go and rest and put so your feet every up. hole goes <laughs> well, I, I practiced yeah so i get more i get more from practicing than i do going to play the golf course you know i i, I think you can see i think you can see how the course plays in four holes yeah but yeah, you say you, you understand. You understand straight away, and obviously with the players as well. I suppose you have to check it because the, the the date shifts. Obviously, over the last few years, it's been different sure. times of year. So obviously, we know obviously the course plays slightly different. So you just need to almost just make sure, don't you? Once you've played, I mean, at the players' championship, once you've played holes one, two, three, four, you've had a great mix of the entire golf course. Mm-hmm. You really have. I yeah. mean, it's a shortish par four to start, and. You're probably going to hit drive a wedge, right? So you've already tested a wedge shot. Second hole is a par five, and you're probably going to hit drive a three hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you, you're going to know the you know the firmness of the greens because you just hit wedge in, so you know what three hybrid is going to do. Then you play a lovely you know medium iron short short iron par three, which is probably eight iron or seven iron. So you've got that, and then you've got a lovely short par four. What else do you, I mean, what else do you really need to know? <laughs> you don't need to know any more than that. You've got some nice tearing um, and slopes on those first four greens. Mm-hmm. Job done. Yeah, so yeah. again, I, you know, I, I don't like wasting, in my opinion, I always practiced as a, as, a, as a kid in the pro shop when I had an hour off work. The lunch breaks, that was my practice time. Before work, that was my practice time. After work. That was my practice time. So I had short windows. Yeah. My practice today is still built around short windows. So Makes I can practice constructively for a short window because I can't concentrate for any for any length of time. Yeah. <laughs> so did I can you imagine hear, you. Did you, did you, did you, did you, <laughs> you agree? She agreed totally. I normally I'm I'm normally good for you know ten minutes of practice. No, I mean look. It, um, Playing around the golf just gets just gets you know, it gets bo- it just gets boring. Five hours, you know. You, I like to play I like to play practice rounds on my own because I like to get as much work done as I possibly can as quick as I can. So if I go out, I like mm-hmm. to go out at three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, get in, get out of the way of everybody. Three hours, <laughs> Well, you can tee off at eight o'clock if you want and take five and a half hours. <laughs> so I've wasted two and a half hours of my life. I'm never, never going to get back. Don't ever play with Pierce then, because he's slow. He takes ages. Uh, the <laughs> it's a six-hour uh, job. <laughs> so, what do you um, what do you like with? I'm just going to skim that over. What do you like with technique? What do you? How much do you work at that at the moment in your golf swing? And has that changed over the years? No, I mean I've kept I've kept I've kept that relatively constant as well. To be honest, um, it really. I work on a couple of things. I work on maintaining a, a, a position halfway. Well, when the club's parallel to the ground mm-hmm. on the way back, so let's say nine o'clock, mm-hmm. for argument's sake, um, 
I work on having the face very slightly what a lot of pros would turn around and say shut. In my opinion, it the club face matches. The leading edge matches my spine angle. Yep. Old school coaching, in some respects... Say that shut. <laughs> says that shut. Now, if I put that position where the club face is vertical, it feels miles open. Mm-hmm. And it feels like I have to then massively shut it down on the way down. So I've always worked on that. And when I look at old videotapes, I've always been in that position where yeah. I've been, you know, just just a little bit what some pros say shut so i always work on that today because it's what i learned as a kid and it's what i feel sets me in a, in a decent position because you want to simplify the golf swing more than anything else you want you know the less moving parts the better yeah right so when i set it in that position i just turn my hips and shoulders sets itself at the top used to always be laid off so i've always you know over the last 10 15 years always worked on trying to set that club at the top of my swing where the hands hide the club head Mm -hmm. right if you're videoing down the line and really from there my impact position through the years really hasn't changed so i work on a couple of keys early early release is one to make sure i create the width and the club actually you know some people will say casting Mm -hmm. My opinion of that is called early release. Yep. So I try and release it early from the top. Um, maintain my height and don't dip into the ball. And these are just really, really, really simple, basic things. I've got yardage books from 20 years ago that hanging on the wall, which say exactly the same thing. Very simple. So I've kept it. I've kept it as simple as possible. I do use Pete Cowan because mm-hmm. Pete Cowan, I think, for me, is a very simple coach. He's very, very simple he teaches the same thing to every player yeah and it is just about you know getting the club to release early on the way down he calls it turn down i call it early release it's the same thing um and really working the club through impact position you know making you know maintaining that you know you you work the club face through impact moving slightly left yeah, yeah. That's it. There's nothing else. It's pretty balance. simple. Balance, and it goes back to the early PGA PGA days, training days. Mm. Yeah, posture, stance, ball position, grip. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just the golf swing is relatively simple that we make extremely hard. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. 100%. And it's, 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 it's refreshing to see that as well, because I think, you know, a lot of the amateurs who are listening to this are probably thinking that they're going to get loads and loads of in-depth technical things. But it's just about keeping it really simple. And definitely we would call that position now modern square, I think, you know, that that halfway back position, that nine o'clock position. Okay. See, I don't, I, I don't know what, I mean, you know, where would you see that position? If you saw that club face halfway back like that. That's where. Well, we would we would promote that massively with amateurs now, yeah, with for, amateurs, sure. Yeah. Yeah. for sure, for yeah. sure. You know, you because you know what they're like. I mean, the, the the big shot that they they suffer with is the slice. So let's let's cure and fix that as soon as we can. And if we can do it there, then brilliant. 
yeah, I mean, there's there, there, there's less face rotation. Take face rotation out of play. Mm-hmm. You have face rotation. You are having to manipulate it. Yeah, absolutely. Less manipulation, the better. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And and what, do you do you work much on the performance side from a from a physical side, from a mental side, from a, a, a stat side? What is your what's your big go to? Is do you train? Often? I hate the gym. Hate, hate the gym. Hate it with a passion. Always hated it. Never enjoyed it. I'd, you know, back in back in my pro shop days and ham, egg, chips and beans for lunch and <laughs> all that good stuff, right? So, um, you know, it it it's it's part of golf today. Uh, we have to do it. It's something which you need to keep yourself in shape. So generally, I've been blessed with you know pretty high metabolism, so I can generally lose weight very very quickly. Um, but obviously. Not pounding the hundred, hundred kilo dumbbells is um, <laughs> is something I don't do a lot of. So yeah, I mean, I I do I do a chunk. I'm doing as much as I possibly can. Um, I can always do more because I think you can always practice more. You can always work on certain aspects more. But I've generally flexibility has been been a massive thing for me um, through the years. I've always been super supple, and I think that's that's helped prevent injuries uh for the long haul yeah is this something that you've worked with tpi on i know that obviously they've done a lot of movement screens and stuff does they have they worked with you or is that somebody else i did um i did a very 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 long time ago I but think we see that um, i think we saw those screens actually maybe one of the seminars <laughs> maybe i mean that was a, such a long time ago um uh, Dave Phillips, right? He's yes, great. Yeah, he's yeah. really, really, really good. And Greg Rose. Greg Rose. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. you've got um, it. Yeah. Brilliant guys. Um, but no, I mean, I I have only seen them a couple of times from a screening perspective. Um, but I just I, I listen to what I feel my body needs. Um, when I'm tired, I rest, and when I feel fresh and ready, I, you know, I I I I, I train. So it's, you know, I kind of listen to those, to those things. If I'm tight in areas, I'll see a physiotherapist. I'll get massage treatment. I will, you know, I'll loosen those areas that, that feel tight, but I haven't, you know, I haven't diagnosed it down to, I have to go and, you know, add 15 pounds of muscle or (laughs) that's not my golf game. No, my golf game hasn't been real built around raw power i think the great thing i think the great thing about what you're saying as well that the guys from take at home can take from this ian is that um, we've i mean we've had some great guests on the podcast recently we've had stenson we've had um westwood beesberger and every single one of you guys say different things and we we always say it in our coaching that it's you've got to find what works for you and everything that you say is just all down to you as a person, what feels right, what you've done from a kid. And, and I think the guys listening to this, some of the listeners will think they need to be doing things because other people are doing them. But it's about finding what works specific for them based on their bodies, their personality. And I think this is something, what I see is this is one of your big strengths that you don't get pulled into going, well, Kepka's in the gym, lifting huge weights. I need to do that. You go, well, that doesn't suit me. I don't want to do that. I'm going to find something that works for me that still allows me to, to be the best that I can be. Yeah. I, you know, Brooks's Brooks's game is Brooks's game. Henrik's game is his game. 
I mean, Henrik is an extremely structured practicer. He's extremely structured in his... He has to see Pete Cowan. He has to see Phil Kenyon. He has to... And it has to be at 8 o'clock till 10 o'clock. And it's... it's um, it's extremely structured how Henrik does his stuff, and that's what he likes, right? Yeah. That's he has to have it in the diary six months before. Yeah, he books all his flights at least six months out. Um, I'm lastminute.com, yeah, which is fine I though, like, isn't it? It's just I fine. Like to, I like to practice under pressure, yeah, because it's all my schoolwork was done last minute. I was up till three or four o'clock in the morning finishing a project or PJ assignments on a Thursday night (laughs) often handed in late been disciplined by the PGA for handed in coursework late I was last minute so I I like being under pressure I don't like practicing with time I like I don't like doing stuff with oodles of time you know it's 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 nice to practice with a little bit of a buzz to think right I've got to got to you know it, it gives me a certain time limit yeah yeah more, almost more purpose doesn't it because you're under pressure you've got no choice you, you have to you have to otherwise you yeah Love right it. let's talk let's talk Ryder Cup because we want to get into Ryder Cup because I know I'm sure you it's something that you want to talk about what what is it Ian about the European team that is just so good. I mean, you, you can see from the outside, you can see from the tournaments, the European team just have, they just seem to have this great atmosphere, this great relationships, and they definitely seem more of a connected team than the US. What is it about it that's, that just makes it so special? Uh, I think, I think when you look at Team Europe through the years and you look how we've, um, we've gelled as a group of great individuals is the way we've, the way we've socialized together through the years, the way we travel together through the years. And, you know, there's no, there's no problem to us jumping on a bus from an airport, jumping in a courtesy car with three other golfers um, from hotel to golf course, because, you know, it's not like PGA tour. It's not like every week on the PGA tour, you're, given a car at the airport to drive to the course on your own. Um, so generally you socialize a bit more because you're sitting in the courtesy car with two other guys. Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? What's what, you know, what you've been up to. So you generally, you know, you know a bit more about each, each individual. So I think, I think from a perspective of uh, European players, we're less, we're less individuals. Yeah. And more of a team because of, simple silly things like that through the years and uh it's been apparent i think the american team are a little more social together yeah um over the last few years which mm-hmm. which you've seen there's a little group of guys which um kind of live in the same area uh play golf together um and i think they know that yeah and what would you say is the um... I mean, you've had so many great moments. Before this interview this morning, I thought, I'm just going to have a quick look again at just some of the best moments on YouTube of yours. And even now, like, you watch them and you just your eyes are popping out your head. You get so, you get so like, emotional about it. What's been the, what would you say is the, the most memorable for you if there's, one, if there's one specific moment? 
it's hard. It's it's really hard to pick one, and you know, um, one of the. I mean, the most emotional would be the 18th green in Paris last time with Luke, um, and just having a conversation with him and a little embrace with him, and um, you know that that from an emotional standpoint was probably the most emotional moment I've ever had in a Ryder Cup from a personal adrenaline rush craziness um, few moments would be Medina 2012 I mean it you know to to set the scene as a scene would play itself out you know to as it's getting a little dark and you've got both teams lined the back of the green so it's like it was a it's a it's a fairy tale finish to a day um in what turned out to be one of those weeks that you know will will go down in the history books as um as an absolutely remarkable turnaround in golf yeah. and you know holding that part at that moment to turn around to to feed the team with energy to 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 have that level of pressure excitement adrenaline all of it bottled up into a 12 foot putt was insane yeah and it was you know the way you obviously finished that you know was it five birdies in a row coming in just uh just incredible to watch really it was bon- it was bonkers i mean it really, it really really was bonkers i mean you know it starts off with rory holding a 20 footer on 13 um, because we nothing was gelling, you know. We, we nothing was working. We tried. We was trying to get, you know, we was trying to get the buzz up, and it's it's pretty pretty depressing looking at a leaderboard, seeing seeing your ten your ten four down. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing exciting about that at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was miserable. So it was a case of, come on, we've we just got we just got to start with one birdie, just got to find a birdie. I mean, I mean. It, you know, least of all, you was thinking of birdieing a par three of 230 yards downhill over water, right? And I didn't hit, I didn't hit the best of shots. And Rory hit a lovely shot to 25 feet and rolled that putt in. But that, you know, that that started what, you know, obviously um, started the run of birdies for us to close out, close out. So, I mean, six birdies to finish that match and when they birdie three of the last six from being up in the match <laughs> to losing the match yeah. <laughs> is insane. Mm. So it was um you know it was one of those moments that I can't you, know, you can't replicate you can't replicate the adrenaline rush. You can't replicate the the feel, the excitement, the the, the fan noise, the um you know all of which is just in in week to week golf. You, you you could never you can never replicate that. And is that that environment? Is is it just something that you prefer to be in? Like you know when you've talked about how you like to have this little bit of pressure, but under pressure, you, it's great. You, you want this this adrenaline. Do you feel that when you're like really at that stage, is when you perform your best, or or do you feel that you need that to bring it out of you? I think I think my best finishes. I think all my best finishes. I think you know the all of the 
the most fun I've ever had on a golf course is when I've been under the most pressure. Yeah. Um, you know, Birkdale, you know, where Harrington wins, you know, being under pressure on those last few holes and um, having the having the chance to what, what you think is a win in the Open Championship to, to you know, beat Sergio in, in the match play, uh, in the in the Volvo Masters at Valderrama, um, you know, to win that in 2004. To, you know, all of those things. You remember that you remember the, the 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 most fun stuff. You know, shanking it under pressure at TPC on the last hole with six iron, and then having to get up and down. You know, over through the gap in the trees, and you know, it, you know, all of which is is you know, all of the the most fun stuff you've ever done is always when you've been under the most pressure. Brilliant. And would you say would you say there's anything you'd like to change about the Ryder Cup? Is there anything that you'd like to see different? Nothing. Leave it alone. <laughs> Just a few more wins. <laughs> Leave it alone. That's it's good. Perfect. That's good. I like it. Love it. Okay. Should we go and should we go into some quick fire, Andy? Because I think we're going yeah. to be on time. I think we could do we've uh, been done there for a while, a while now, yeah. which is fantastic. Thanks for your time, Ian. So let's do some quick fire ones, best we can. So, what's the best advice you've ever received? Best advice ever received. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's not really quick fire, is it? Um, <laughs> just um, I don't know if there's. I mean, you know sounds corny just just enjoy your golf i mean it really really you know that's not really you you'd say great advice but um pretty good pretty good yeah pretty good pretty Pretty simple pretty powerful it is simple just enjoy your golf love it that's good that's good what's the the, we might know the answer to this one what's the worst shot you've ever hit in a tournament um well i mean shanks have been have been have happened at timely timely places in my in my golfing career. I've had multiple at the Masters, and um, they, they crop up from time to time. But that's 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 probably it's probably a, a nice compilation of those. <laughs> Maybe someone should do that. That'd be quite cool. I think someone has already. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> okay, then let's back this up, back this up with what's the best shot you've ever hit? It's probably going to be. Uh, the putt at Medina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that'll do it. There's not. I don't think as many people would have wanted to hit that putt. No, no, <laughs> no, no. not at all. When I watched um, that earlier, I was like, I was nervous watching it, and I already know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was like watching it again. I'm like, hang on. Yeah, time and a it was time, time and a place. Yeah, that was one of those time and places. Perfect. What thing do you miss most about the UK? Bacon and sausage sandwiches, uh, chicken jalfrezi, naan bread, papadums, <laughs> chutney, <laughs> sausage rolls, <laughs> HP sauce. It all revolves around food. Yeah. Not much then. <laughs> That's pretty important. But it does, yeah. We've spent enough time in the States to understand that for sure. Okay, so one pick for your partner in the Ryder Cup. Who? Rory. Dream four ball. Luke, Joshua, and my dad. Perfect. What a good answer. Who's your partner in a, in a four ball better ball? 
out of those two. Three, sorry. Ah. Oh. Uh, the minute it's Luke. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> if they have to, they have to audition. <laughs> okay, perfect. This is a good one. We asked this of everybody. So we'd like you to build the perfect golfer. So best driver you've played with, best iron player, best short game, and best putter. And none of them can involve you. So it's easy. Uh, Rory, driver. Yep. Woods, irons. Mm-hmm. Seve, short game. And Spieth putting. Yeah, that spell he had especially. Yeah, he was special, wasn't he? Do you know what's for interesting? For a couple of years, frightening. We, did, we were on a podcast the other day and somebody asked us this question and we're not used to answering it. We're like, oh, we, we've got to think about this now. <laughs> and uh, I actually picked you as the putter based on obviously what was what was going on but we had we had been asked that question i was trying to think i'm going who could it be who could it be but yeah well, i think you the putter. putting one's a strange one isn't it because you've got so many people who you know have got good strokes and they put well but it's like consistently over time or picking pressure a spell. i think the pressure is the key yeah, thing as well the, the 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 putting is i mean it, look you, you could say david howe for a period of 18 months you can say luke you can say luke donald for a period of time you can say Tiger Woods for a period of time. Mm-hmm. You can say, you know, you, Brad Faxon for a period of time. You can like you can go through people's careers and you know, um, and just highlight the you know the guys that have just excelled, you know, putting um, for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's hard to keep a constant with that. Very very hard. It's probably the hardest of all. I think that's what's apparent, isn't it? It is hard. It is hard to keep that consistent over years. Difficult, very difficult. Absolutely. So, Ian, look, thank you so much for your time. A um, few things. Hopefully, we'll get to see you in Dubai for the Odemar Piguet Invitational. Obviously, it's something that we've done the last few years, and it's, Absolutely. it's a great event. So, hopefully, we're looking forward yeah. to that. We may well, even hopefully, hopefully see I mean, you it's, before. It's a date change, right? So, um, it's potential. Uh, it's not confirmed yet, but uh, the, you know, the, the, what could be the new date change because of um, what's happened with COVID-19 uh, is it could be even as late as up to, is it the, 20, is it the 18th of December? Really? It's going to be late. Yeah, yeah. It has to. They, I mean, we, we have to fit in all of the, um, mm-hmm. have to fit away well, 20th of December. Yeah. Christmas in Dubai. We'll be having, we'll be having Christmas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Turkey in Dubai. I love it. But yeah, it'd be yeah, great if we could see you out there, obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely. We uh, Just before we finish, we actually had um, Connor Sketches on the podcast last week. He's yeah, just, he's it was so good. He was so good. Yeah, so good. Yeah, he did He did my charity event, uh, Dream Flight Charity. Um, we do, a, we do a, a dinner auction and then uh, play golf the following day. And he did, a, I would say, a half an hour sketch. And it was just... I mean, it was brilliant. I mean, people absolutely loved it. I mean, you know, talk about talk about burst onto the scene <laughs> and just continue to, um, you know, keep us all laughing, right? Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and and there's no there's no better person at the minute to to throw some humour in the mix. And it's great taking taking the Mickey out of people is something very, I don't know, it's very English humorised, and and he does he does a great job of it. 
He does. Yeah, he does. He and did. it's definitely what golf needs. It's uh, we were we, we couldn't stop laughing on the podcast. It's hilarious. <laughs> and he said he, he says, he says who's your favourite to do? One, didn't he? <laughs> he says who's who's your favourite? He says Polter's my favourite. He says I just he says I, yes, I just can't because I just love doing him. But he says it's because of how he exaggerates your personality and, and he just brings it to a he, whole new life. It's funny. He, he, he starts, he, 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 <laughs> he starts with me an awful lot. Um, he's just, um, it's so funny. I asked, I asked him to do the charity event the year before and he couldn't because um, Bridgestone had asked him to go and do an event with Tiger. So I called him for last year's event. I'm like, Connor, is there any chance you can come? He goes, Absolutely, I owe you one. So I'll be there. Uh, and he did. He delivered. Um, he delivered, and he was on fine form during the evening, and so much so that I mean, we have a great audience. We we got great guys, great business people from all over the world, and um, you know, numerous people said to me afterwards, "You need to give me his number. Yeah, I need him to come and do some work." So I mean, he's he's in high demand. So yeah. and, and rightly so. Brilliant. Currently stuck in his apartment in Orlando, though. <laughs> he's got out he's of it yet. He's stuck in Orlando with a studio. Yeah, he's um, oh, did dear. a makeshift studio, but he's still managing to do it. He is indeed. He is, is indeed. Good. So, so guys, um, sorry, Ian, where's the best place for the, for the listeners to go and follow you where you're most active on social? Which platform? Uh, Insta, or, Insta or Twitter. Insta or Twitter. Um, my YouTube, we, we are actively trying to reactivate... Um, an old YouTube channel, which has my name. And if we can't quite reactivate it, we'll be starting a new one and then change the URL. So it looks the same as what the old one did. Um, and it unifies Ian James Poulter across all of the spectrums of Insta, Twitter, Facebook, um, and YouTube. So, um, in the coming months, we're going to, we, you know, we'll, 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 we'll add some content on YouTube, but for now, Insta, Twitter. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's good. Pierce, good maybe we should collaborate on YouTube. We'll get a YouTube there we video. Go. Maybe a play Let's in get one. A YouTube maybe a play in one. Show us our skills. There we go. We'll do we'll, we'll do a YouTube one. As soon as we're up and running and COVID-19 decides to leave us all alone, then, um, yeah, we do it. We'll we, we do a play. We'll do a playing segment. Sounds good. Sounds great. Sounds good. Fantastic. We appreciate Thank you so much. Time. Time. Yeah. Thank Take you care. very much. Yeah. Cheers. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. Bye. How good was that? Getting to spend some time there with Ian was absolutely fantastic. Listening to how he has forged this winning mindset and mentality over the years and how important competing actually is to him. And I suppose if we look at it, the take that we could have for yourselves is if you were to get out there to be able to compete, even if it was just competing against yourself, challenging yourself on the golf course, what is this gonna do for you moving forward in your golf? So some real key takeaways there. And it's just really cool obviously hearing about this Ryder Cup experiences that he's had and, and how he's got the best out of his game just by obviously competing in these Ryder Cups. Now, speaking of getting the most out of your game, you need to check out meandmygolf.com. This is where we offer our premium content. So whether you're trying to break 100, break 90, break 80, or even start up the game, this is where we offer the coaching plans which are specifically designed to help you get the best out of your game. We also have hundreds of videos designed around all areas of the game, plus our unique shot fixer, where you can say, I'm slicing it, and guess what? We have the content there ready for you. So make sure you check it out. Take advantage of the free trial, have a walk around, see whether you like it. We know you'll love it. As I said, this is where we have our premium content, and we look forward to seeing you over there, and we also look forward to seeing you on the next Me and My Golf podcast.